Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with website investor, blogger, and entrepreneur, Chris Miles. Chris got married in 2013 and found out they were pregnant with their first son in 2016. His wife sat down and explained why she needed to quit her $40,000 a year job so she could provide mommy care and not have to resort to daycare. With that, he started with niche blogging, YouTube, and affiliate marketing. 18 months later, they were making enough to pay off their debt and retire. As a podcast host and well-known in the internet marketing industry, he has skills and stories to impart. Enjoy this interview. Well, hey, man, it's great to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out today. I appreciate it. (laughs) Before we get into your life, which is a very busy one, as a website investor, blogger, entrepreneur, um, there's a lot of things that are a part of your world. I want to know, how do you survive COVID? How did you get through that two-year period? And how has it subsequently changed the way that you either approach business or live your life now? Yeah, no, we we went through it um, decently well. (laughs) Uh, I will say that um, we definitely had some um, close friends and family who succumbed to it, unfortunately. Uh, But um, we were able to make it through for the most part. And a big reason why was, in, in my opinion, is because I was working from home. Um, when they first got, when this first started in like March of 2020, I was already working from home for almost a year at that point. So I was home, wife was home, and at that point, my son hadn't started school yet. So we were just, you know, kind of always home anyway. So there wasn't a ton of interactions with people outside of uh, outside of our household, and because of that, we were kind of like in a little cocoon, especially when things got shut down to begin with, you know, we would wipe down everything every time we came into the house or we go do groceries, we'd wipe them down, you know, all of those things that they were recommending us do. And that's basically how we got through it physically and we're all okay, thank goodness, right? Um but other than that, in terms of business, now this is kinda interesting. Because of what I do online, uh you do the um with the blogging and affiliate marketing, YouTube, all of that fun stuff, uh, because people were at home there was a lot more people on the Internet at that point. Um, it actually, actually, in our industry, um, we have a thing that's called the COVID bump because what happened was when people were at, were at home, a lot of people's websites started to blow up, you know, because there were more people searching, doing stuff online. So um, I was able, able to actually benefit from that because when it got to the point to where people weren't just getting, you know, laid off from work or they weren't just getting told you can't come to work, they were also told that, you know, well, we don't have enough money to continue paying you, so we can't pay you either, you know. So a lot of people lost jobs during this time, and um, all of a sudden, you know, here comes a lot of these opportunities online that you can work from home. People were looking into them, and my business actually kind of started doing a lot better than normal at that time. So business-wise, we were fine because we were benefiting from the quote-unquote COVID bump. But other than that, um, that's kind of how we were able to get through it, and now we're just now kind of getting back to normal. It's interesting. I've talked so many times with so many people about COVID, and I've never heard about the COVID bump, but it makes total sense. I mean, that's where people were at. That's what we were doing. That was life. So, um, it, you know, you definitely learn something new every day for sure. Um, so let, let's simplify your existence, your business life here, and I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day. And one of the kids looks up at you and says, what do you do for a living, and how are you qualified to do it? How would you answer that child? Yeah, that's an excellent question because in this industry, it's kind of hard to tell what it is we do because 
it usually goes with or it needs to come with more of an explanation, your elevator pitch, as you would say. But in this instance, it's an elevator pitch to third graders, so this is going to be interesting. <laughs> so what I would normally say in a situation like that is, you know, um, I post stuff online. You know, that's actually, let me backtrack. <laughs> it'll sound weird at that point. But um, I guess I'll say I'm a content publisher. That's technically what the name of what we do is. So we create content and we put it online. So to make it a little bit simpler, we find common questions that need answering on Google, and then we create articles that answer those questions. And because of that, we're able to get um, tons of people to our websites. And when people come to our websites, we can find a way to make money off of them, or we call it monetizing them. And usually we can do that by um, what are called display ads. So those really annoying ads that you see every time you go to a website, or you think that someone's following you because you see a picture of uh, the thing you were looking at on Amazon earlier that day right there trying to tell you to go buy it. Um, the, the website owner gets paid for that kind of thing, right? Um, there's also another thing that's called affiliate marketing where you can partner with big brands and you can promote their products. And if you ever make a sale, you get a commission from that sale. So those are really two main ways that a lot of people monetize their site, and that's mainly the ways that I monetize my sites as well. So that's a, the longest elevator pitch ever, but I'm a content publisher who creates content online, answering simple questions, and then getting paid from the traffic that comes to the site. You're just weaving a follow-up because you know those kids are going to look at you and be like, all right, now, what what, what are you talking about? So you just you, you answer the follow-ups. That was a, a, a good approach there. So, you know, it, the level of motivation that you have is obviously very evident. I'm curious. Let's dig back into your childhood and your life. Talk to me a little bit about where you grew up and how these seeds of motivation became what you are today and why you do what you do. Yeah, that's an excellent question because I am a big believer in, you know, you are a product of your past, right? And um, because of that, it's up to you to decide how you want to deal with that past. Um, I'm not going to say by any means I had a rough upbringing. You know, I had a mother and a father, and um, my dad did work a lot, though. And because he worked a lot, um, you know, he worked 12-hour shifts uh, where he was, you know, he'd be gone for quite a bit of time during the day. And... Um, I remember seeing a lot of that and thinking, man, I don't want to have to work that much. You know, I'm not saying I didn't want to work. I just didn't want to work that much. Um, so growing up, I was always, you know, and my dad's a very frugal man. Um, he understands the value of a dollar. He taught me the value of a dollar as early as he possibly could. And uh, by doing so, you know, I learned how to invest early on because he's a big uh, investor in, in stuff. And um, when I started learning that I could take money to make more money, I would do small things, you know, things that I could do at my age. Like, for example, uh, I remember when I was like eight years old, I was doing like a candy sale or something for school, and the candy was like maybe $2 or something going door-to-door around the neighborhood. But I would sell the candy for like $3 or $4 and then just pocket the rest. Now, granted, I don't know how ethical that was, but, uh, you know, early on I realized that, okay, if I'm doing a service, I should be able to – make a profit from it, right? So that's what I started doing early on. And that was just like one of the first things. Um, at one point, um, I was buying and selling computers online, buying and selling clothes online. I would try to buy them at low rates, maybe fix up the computer or whatever's wrong with it, and then turn around and try to flip it on eBay. 
Um, I did that for quite a while, actually. Didn't make a ton of money with it, but it was still something to do that was generating revenue. Um, and then, uh, and I didn't. It didn't always work either. Uh, at one point, I bought a whole bunch of what I what I thought were uh, iPhones. This is when the iPhone craze was just going crazy. And uh, this overseas retailer promised that he had some iPhones, and I didn't have the money to buy them. So I went to my dad and I was like, "Hey, this guy has iPhones that he can get for wholesale. Um, I can get them. Go ahead and sell them, and um, probably buy them for like what two or three hundred dollars each." And then at the time, iPhones were going for like six, seven hundred dollars each. So you're like, "Man, this should be a pretty easy flip." So what I ended up doing, he. I think my dad knew that I was crazy at this moment. <laughs> he was like, he didn't, he didn't trust it. And but to his credit, he went ahead and gave me the money anyway. And um, I went ahead and bought them. And when I got them, they weren't iPhones; they were M phones. And I'm like, what is an M phone, right? So uh, it was kind of just disappointing. And they were actually worth some money, but nowhere near what the what an actual iPhone is worth. So I ended up having to try to send them back to the retailer overseas. It ended up getting stuck in customs for like six months. And I was just like, you know what, don't worry about it, just send them back. So they sent them back, and I ended up just kind of breaking even with them. And um, But I ended up having, it ended up did losing money. But even though it didn't work out and there were other things that I did as well, I learned the value of investing in things and then trying to make your money work for you. So that whole process is very similar to what I do daily now when it comes to uh, content websites and affiliate marketing and blogging because I can buy and sell websites. I'll, can, I'll create a website. I might pay someone to write the articles for me, and then I just float that money until the site's generating enough money to cover it, and then I get a decent ROI on my on my payment. So all of this happened because of a lot of the failures and mistakes and some successes that I had early on to where I am today. So let me ask you kind of a, a, an offshoot question here. I know you're a big science fan, and yeah. and I am too. There was always one episode that I could never, ever catch, and I don't know if you ever fell into this where, you know, if all of them, there was one that you could never catch. It was always the one where George licked too many of the envelopes. And I finally did get to see it, but it eluded me for a long, long time, and I saw them all but that one. Yeah. No, I have one that's very similar. Um, and that was a good episode too, because that it was very, you know, that was a very dark episode too, because that's when his his fiance died, right? And yeah, uh-huh. it's supposed to be like it's supposed to like well, and the show did a great job at like tackling, you know, really weird issues, but making them funny, <laughs> you know. And you're like, how can yeah. you laugh at, at someone dying? But it was like the way he played it, because uh, George Santana played it was just perfect, right? So yeah, the episode for me is probably. Uh, the chicken roaster episode. Now, this one was later on in the, the show, probably around season maybe seven, maybe early eight, seasons early eight. But uh, in that episode, um, a big a big chicken roaster uh, company had uh, built a huge neon sign right next to Kramer's apartment. Yeah. And because of that, it was a, it always white, it always red washed his apartment in this red light. And he couldn't take it anymore, so he moved out. And then for some reason, Jerry had to move into his apartment. And then slowly over the course of the show, Jerry turned into Kramer, and Kramer yes. turned into Jerry. And yep. that was really great to see, like, Jerry Seinfeld acting out a different character. Because when the show first started, he wasn't that great of an actor, right? And no. it got better as the show went on. And when he portrayed Kramer, it was it was perfect. And I just thought that was a really great episode to see. Like, like, like you mentioned, it's hard to find that episode sometimes. If I didn't have the DVDs, I probably would never 
see it in syndication. But uh, now I know exactly what you mean. Put on favorite shows. You know, uh, it's interesting. I do a presentation to educators on podcasting, and someone this year said, when should I start doing this? When am I ready? And I said, you're never going to be ready. And the, the likelihood of you going back years later and listening to your first episodes, it's going to be like that first year of Seinfeld. Because that first go with those guys, it was rough. And I know Jerry jokes around about not being an actor and deliberately being kind of clunky. It was a thing between him and Larry David. But that first year was not, not good at all compared to where they went. So it's kind of that principle with anything. You just got to get in there. And no matter where you go, you're always going to look back at your beginnings and think, man, that was rough. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned that because it's the exact same thing with, I guess, across any industry, right? So for blogging specifically, when you first get started, and I have this with a lot of students who, who I work with, you know, their first articles are not that great, you know, and that's just the way it's going to be because that's not something that you do perhaps on a regular basis. But the beautiful part about blogging is that you don't need to be the greatest writer in the world. In fact, you don't even have to be a good writer. You just have to be good enough because the way that it works is that if you are more helpful than the next person, then your content's going to rise to the top because you went through a little bit more effort to help a reader than someone else who just put content out there just to put content out there. So because of that, you don't have to be the best writer in the world. You just have to be a, work a little bit harder than the person behind you. So with that in mind, you start your blog off, you know, at first it's going to be a little rough, but like any muscle that you work on, it's going to get better and better as time goes on. And there's times right now where I'll go back to one of, you know, my first articles that I wrote and just turn my nose up at it. I'm like, oh, my God, I wrote this? You know, it, just, it feels so weird. And what's funny is I'll go back and update those articles. But then like a year later, or maybe two years later, I'll go back and look at those same articles that I already updated and think, man, I wrote that. You know, and I was a, technically a more experienced blogger after I updated it. So you're never going to be satisfied with what you have. You just have no. to put something up there because there's an old phrase that says, um, what is it, that uh, done is better than better. You know, so as long as you can get it taken care of to the point to where it's at least, you know, 80% done, it's better to get it out there versus waiting for it to be 100% perfect because there's a point of diminishing returns where trying to get it from, you know, zero to 80% is a huge, huge part of the battle. But trying to get it from 80 to 100 may not be worth it all the time. So sometimes it's better just to get it out there, and then you can make improvements upon it as time goes on. In your life, you know, we, we, we have inspirations that fuel who we are and get us to where we need to go. Who's been a hero for you in your life? Ooh, a hero? Hmm. Um, I must say, it was probably would be my father. He did, like, I know I mentioned earlier that he worked a lot, but even though he worked a lot, I never really had to hurt for anything. And he taught me a lot of principles in life that I still hold on to even today. And I thank him for that. You know, even today, I was just talking to him yesterday. Um, one of the things that really pressed upon me one time was uh, I had this old car. It was a like a 1995 uh, Toyota Camry or something, right? It was one of the first cars I ever had. And uh, I'm driving it around, and it was a used car, and the front of it had a whole bunch of chips, like like it just got sandblasted or something right in the front of the car. And I always wanted to get the hood replaced, because I wanted to get it nice and shiny and looking great. So I used to complain to my dad about it. I was like, man, I really want to replace that thing, replace the hood. 
And he's like, well, you just, well, you know, you just do it when, you know, when you, when you get, get some money. And I was like, well, can you do it? And he's like, no, you're going to have to make the money for that because the car works fine, right? Like, That's all I got to do. And I was like, all right, fine. So I never got around to really doing it. But then one day I was driving down um, this street, and I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So I was in Baton Rouge, and I was driving around, and uh, a, car, a truck stopped short in front of me. And I didn't notice it because the song that I was listening to had a cell phone ringing in it, and I thought it was my cell phone. And this is back when cell phones were making regular beeps, right? So I'm looking down, and um, by, the, when, by the time I looked up, I was under the guy's truck. And um, I was okay, but the car was just, the front of the car was pretty much smashed. So um, obviously I called my dad. He comes out, and he looks at it. He looks at me, and, you know, any, you know, father would probably just, you know, as long as you're okay. He's looking at me like, man, I can't believe you did this, yada, yada, yada. My dad was like, well, at least you can replace that hood now. And <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, and to me it showed, like, almost no matter how bad the situation might seem, there's always, a, you know, something that you can glean from it and grow from. And just something as small as that has been able to help me to tackle some of the toughest situations I've had to deal with in life because I was able to learn how my dad dealt with it in certain times. So that's who I would probably say would be an inspiration of mine. So if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now, who would you like to meet and talk to? Okay. That's a great question. Now, this is going to be probably a more of a selfish one, but I am a, uh, I'm a huge NFL fan. I love the National Football League, uh, American football. And one team that I used to follow with follow up with a lot was the Indianapolis Colts. And a big reason for that was being from Louisiana, like football is everything, especially college football. And um, I went to LSU, Louisiana State University right here. And, uh, you know, we were in the SEC and we play all these other types of teams like the Tennessee Volunteers, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, all these guys. But we hated those teams, right, because we're the Tigers. We didn't care about them. But anyway, um, even though we would, you know, during the college games, be all, of, you know, in each other, we're trying to win the game and everything, I was always a fan of the players going to the NFL from the SEC. There was some pride there, right, because, you know, just saying that we yeah, had the toughest conference in the in the country and now we send the most players to the NFL and all of that fun stuff. So I started keeping up with a lot of players going into the NFL, especially the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks was my favorite position out of all the positions in the NFL. And one guy who I always uh, uh, admired and looked up to was Peyton Manning. You know, he's always been, you know, just kind of like the guy who – tried to do everything the right way, you know, like even something as simple as during uh, interviews and everything, he'd always call, at the time it was Tony Dungy was the coach, he'd always call Tony like Coach Dungy. He never said Tony, he never said the coach, he always referred to him as Coach Dungy. Now granted, you know, behind the scenes or whatever, when they're just talking, I'm sure it was just Tony or whatever, but he gave the man that respect, right, and I've always liked that about him where he seemed like he's just this a nice guy, and he's got good comedic timing, funny guy. So that would be a guy that I would definitely would like to meet is, uh, is Peyton Manning and, and kind of pick his brain on a couple of things. He would be rather cool to talk to. What is it that motivates you every day when you get up and look at your day and think about what you want to do? What is it that makes you go through your day and do what you do? Yeah, no, that's a great question because it's kind of changed over time. And a big reason for that is, I was able to accomplish one of the biggest goals that I had. And uh, what I ended up doing was um, when I first got started with this, you know, blogging and affiliate marketing stuff, Joe, I decided to uh, uh, try to, you know, make enough money so that my wife could quit her job and that she could stay home and give our son mommy care rather than daycare. So while she's going through that 
um, process of trying to figure that out, I started blogging in affiliate marketing, and that was my goal. And I honestly believe that, that that reason why to be successful with this stuff was a big deal for me because all of all the other businesses that we talked about earlier, a lot of them made money or maybe didn't make enough money or lost money with, but I never really continued any of it. And a big reason for it was because I was just doing it to make money at the time. But when I started the blogging stuff, I needed it to work because it needed to work, right? My back was against the wall, and I was trying to provide a different type of life for my family. So that was my main motivation then. So when things didn't go right or things didn't pan out the way that I expected, I didn't give up. I had to find a different way, and I just kept doing it that way. So that was my motivation, and I really wanted to get to the point where my um, – do it for where I would quit my job and then at least ride all the way until my son had to go to school. I figured those are his most formative years. I don't want to be gone 12, 15, 17 hours a day, and let's just go ahead and give it a try. And that was a big motivation for me to quit my job as well because I just didn't want to be behind the desk when my son was doing stuff, you know, his kids first and everything. So the reason why I bring this up was because when I got – when he started school – I kind of accomplished that goal. Me and my wife hadn't been working for about a year, year and a half, and we're like, man, so now what's the motivation? So uh, I'm going to be honest, even now, I still kind of struggle with, okay, what's the next thing that we need to do? So I ended up making other types of goals, right, to uh, my wife began her own business, and I'm trying to help her get that off the ground and uh, just keep now trying to raise our way of living, you know, and we're not trying to be, you know, ridiculous money-making, you know, online entrepreneurs or anything. We're just trying to make enough to get by so that we can enjoy our family lives. And uh, not to say it's always, you know, peaches and rainbows. You know, we, when, we, when you live under the same roof and no one goes to work because we're always at home, you know, sometimes you might get at each other's throats. But uh, I remember quitting thinking, you know, it's not going to – it can't be the worst thing to try to spend more time with each other. And uh, by doing that, I think that was one of the best decisions that we ever made. So right now – we're just trying to keep that motivation going of just trying to keep up the lifestyle that we have right now. What's been the best client fan letter that you've ever received from the work that you've done? That's, that's interesting because I was just talking with one of the first students I had in my course um, just last maybe three or four days ago. Um, she was letting me know that she was getting ready to quit her job and she's going to be doing blogging full time. And I thought that that was amazing. Um, I've had students have, you know, a decent amount of success with making money, but only a handful of them have gotten to the point where they were actually able to turn this into a full-time business. And um, I think that right there is pretty awesome because at, in the very beginning, you know, she was just teaching English to, like, Chinese students. And um, there was a weird thing that happened a couple of years ago where China, like, cut off a lot of the English tutors that were teaching the kids. And she had lost it on a lot of revenue because of that. So she decided she needed to do something else. And um, I remember we were meeting and we talked about how instead of just doing just the English thing, maybe we should try some other stuff to be able to tackle to get you some more traffic to your site. And she took that and ran. And um, within the last year, her site's getting six figures uh, a month in terms of traffic. I think she gets over 100,000 page views per month. And um, she's now making enough money to where she has the option of wanting to continue working or not. And I think that's pretty awesome. So um, it's nice to see that the things that, you know, that I've learned and can convey to others is actually changing lives. And 
that's really, you know, a different kind of motivation once, once you make the money, you made the money, you know, but the next thing is like impact and uh, being able to know that I was able to help another person do something very similar to what I'm doing uh, kind of is, is worth its weight in gold right there. Everyone out there has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your clients, but ultimately you live your life. You have a perception of you. Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? Um, so when I was, uh, when I was, when I went to school, I went to school for engineering. I started in engineering, didn't finish engineering. <laughs> okay. Um, engineering was tough for me because I was the kind of guy who didn't need to study too much, especially during like, you know, grade school and high school, whatever. But when I got to college, I realized that, man, I need to study. And I didn't really know how to study at the time. So because of that, I didn't like college, like, at all. <laughs> and I liked it because it was fun to be at college because I, at the time, I think LSU was, like, the number one party school in the nation. But uh, being able to, you know, get that engineering degree, it was tough for me. So about two years in, man, I went to my, um, I went to my, uh, I guess, counselor or whatever, and I asked her, I was like, look, I just want to get out of here. You know, of all the credits and classes I've taken so far, what's going to get me out of here the fastest? So she took all of my stuff, and she said that um, you should try um, mass communication. I was like, all right, fine, let's do mass communication. So I went ahead and uh, started to change my degree and started doing that kind of thing. And I got really good at business communications, mass communications, and those kind of things. Um, I, my first job out of college was at a bank. And I was working in their marketing department. And I was like, okay, this is nice. And I was kind of doing what I needed to do uh, or what I had done with my degree. Um, it wasn't exactly what it was, but it was close enough. So I got really good at being able to teach other people how to do stuff. Um, when something came down the pike, I would learn how to do it. And to the point to where I could turn around and show someone else very easily and succinctly. Um, I got really good at that. I would create procedures and step-by-step -step, uh, trainings and stuff like that just to help people when we onboarded somebody, get them up to speed as fast as possible. So that ended up kind of becoming my superpower, Joe, was to, you know, take complicated concepts, break them down very simply so that, you know, anybody can understand them. So what I ended up doing was getting really good at that, at that, at that business. Um, after a while, I started to realize the whole trading your money for time thing and in terms of that not being the greatest business model ever. So I started trying to find ways that I could use the skills that I have to actually make money. And um, I was doing the blogging a little bit at the time, and the blogging was doing fine, um, but I wanted to start a second business. So the second business that I started was to actually teach people how to do the blogging online. So with the second business, being able to take you know complicated concepts on how to choose a niche on how to uh, or a topic for your blog, how to uh, create that blog with a you know simple step by step instructions on click here, click there, and your website's up. Um, how to do keyword research, how to monetize, how to get traffic to your site. All of those things can be kind of complicated if you don't know how to do it. But um, I'm able to take a lot of those skills that I've learned over the years and been able to put into practice, break them down very simply, and show other people how to do it. So now instead of building up, you know, a faceless organization, I'm building up a business for myself doing the exact same thing. So I just tried to take the superpower that I had and be able to turn it into something real. Perfect. Hey, Chris, thank you for opening up today, man. Good luck with everything. And before we go, 
let everybody know out there where they can find out more about you, your services, anything related to your world. Yeah, no, for sure. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Um, yeah, people can find me over um, on the podcast Blogger Evolution. Um, just search it, you know, subscribe, and uh, I'd love, love to have you there. Um, or you can find me at uh, bloggerevolution.com, and we can connect there. Hit the contact page if you want to chat, and uh, we, we can talk about whatever you like. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. <laughs>